Today's episode is sponsored by our patrons at Patreon. If you want access to exclusive bonus content like mini episodes, our weekly newsletter, and the Book Talkers Facebook group, please consider supporting us on Patreon for $5 a month. Link with more information can be found in the show notes. Don't go into the woods. Don't look under the bed. It's getting spooky. It's getting a little bizarre. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. It's spooky season, and today we're sharing books that actually scared us. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about books that gave us the creeps or not. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hi, Renee. Hey, Tina. How are you? We're reversing things. I know. We changed it up today. I am good. I am feeling busy. Fall is here. And my schedule's jam-packed, but I'm very excited to sit here and talk books. I know. You are, you're having a busy week, mm-hmm. so I am thankful that you are able to get your scary thoughts together. Yes. And this is like <laughs> the perfect catharsis. Like, scary reading is my favorite. I love it. I love horror, and I'm excited to share it with some of our listeners because I'm curious to see if they have any recs for us, and I want to know what you brought today. And and I'm really excited. I'm waiting for you to give me some new recommendations ah. because I struggled with this more because I just don't feel like I am easily scared. Mm-hmm. So we can dive into that. But I also, I do want to start, I do want to slip in a thank you from my end as well for all of our listeners who are out there supporting us by listening and who are also supporting us on Patreon. Um, I'm having the best time Mm -hmm. in our little Facebook group we've got going. And I just really appreciate the support and the shares that people are giving us on social media and just want to say thanks. Absolutely. Yes. That has been our goal this whole time is to create this book community. And it's so fun to watch it come together. Exactly. Okay, before we get into all the fun that we have with our spooky reads and chat, what are you loving lately? My loving lately. Now, this is horrifying, but in a different way. Oh, <laughs> so okay. my loving lately is Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. have you heard of it? Tell this? me about it. I have. Yes, I've heard about it, but that's it. Okay. I've just, I've heard about it. So LuLaRoe is a multi-level marketing clothing company. So it's an MLM. And they make brightly colored and patterned clothes. And what an MLM is, it means the business model, it's sold between people. And in order to really make money, you have to try and recruit people to be on your team and to also sell the clothes. Now, the owners of LuLaRoe claim that they are not an MLM because MLMs are illegal. However, this documentary does a really good job outlining the reasons why they feel that they are. There are four 45-minute episodes in Lula Rich, and it breaks down how the company was founded and how they essentially design their business and the people in it to recruit members into their MLM through lies and manipulation. And what was so interesting is the founders themselves are interviewed at the top of the show, like the very first episode. And you're like, oh, I wonder what they thought they were being interviewed for. And they themselves are very interesting characters. And I have some friends who sold this. The most fascinating thing to me was how widely these clothes caught on. It almost felt cult-like in a way when you see Mm -hmm. these huge conferences and all the women that are there and all their beliefs. And this company expanded at an unbelievable and unsustainable pace because eventually some of the markets got flooded because, you know, you only know so many people, only so many people are going to buy your clothing. But they also got the 
interviews of other members that were pretty high up in the company. So you really got in a behind the scenes. The clothes are patterned and they're super bright colors. So definitely not for people like you and me who only wear black, (laughs) but (laughs) the clothes were everywhere for a while. And you might have seen some of these like parties on Facebook. I thought it was really interesting to learn how the business began and to find out how much nepotism was involved in running their company. Like they had their children and their nieces and nephews as marketing execs, despite not having any experience in that field. There are moldy leggings and broken promises. And all in all, it was really, really fascinating to learn about the rise and fall of this company. I thought it was a great way to spend an evening. And this was Lula Rich, a documentary on Amazon Prime. Okay. That's on my watch list. Mm -hmm. Is there more than, what, five episodes? Or There are four episodes and they're 45 minutes each. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. So I watched this on a Friday night when John was at a football game and I was like, "Mm -hmm." it was, it was, yeah, I binged it all in one sitting. Okay. Yes. And I have heard of the clothes. I think I had a pair of pants, but they were black. (laughs) apparently those are like very hard to come by. They're black Um, leggings. Like the patterns mm -hmm. are wild. They also had the designers of all these different patterns on and they were basically telling like how much pressure they were under to create these new designs. And it was just really cool. If you're interested at all, I recommend it. Okay, great. All right. My loving lately is back to skincare. (laughs) I took a little skincare break (laughs) and now I'm back. This is from Origins. Mm -hmm. And it's called Drink Up Intensive Overnight Hydrating Mask with Avocado and Swiss Glacier Water. Mm. How's that for a title? That's very compelling. (laughs) Okay. I use this all the time and year round. I have dry skin. So this is good for normal to dry skin. It's an ultra moisturizing sleeping mask that instantly floods skin with moisture and keep skin soft, smooth, hydrated for up to 72 hours. I love this. I use it every other night. Now, Sephora lists a one ounce for $14 or a 2.5 ounce for $28. I have the bigger one. Mm -hmm. And I use just a little bit more than a pea size amount. It's really thick, Mm -hmm. but it spreads really easily. I use it every other night. And on the off nights, I use a retinol. I put it on at least an hour before I go to bed. It will soak in. Mm -hmm. It's not yucky. It's not slimy. It's not gooey. Yeah, I hate that. I love everything about this. Heading into fall and winter, especially anywhere maybe that you're in a colder climate like we are, I think this would be a good option if you're looking for a little bit more moisture. And that was... The Origins Drink Up Intensive Overnight Hydrating Mask. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need to say the rest. (laughs) (laughs) With some other things. So I love it. Have you heard of this? Renee, I use this. I'm not kidding you. Shut up. I am not kidding you. I had to look it up because. I wondered why your face was. I know. You were either going to tell me that you hated it Uh -uh. or I was trying to figure out what what was going on with your. So if you guys know me at all, you know, I have absolutely zero poker face. I'm a very expressive person. (laughs) So like I immediately was like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell her. Yes, I use this myself and I absolutely love it. I've bought it two or three times. So I've used it for years. You're right. It sinks in. It smells so, it smells like a garden to me. Like it has such Mm -hmm. a like unique fragrance, but not in a bad way, in a, oh yeah, I'm putting some good skincare on way. And it makes me think the ingredients are super good. That's so funny. (laughs) You are the only person I have ever met that uses this. I I have bought it here, like for little gifts here and there when, um, when I do like a girl's night, like Christmas thing. And we, we, are bringing our favorite gifts, I bring this. Smart. No one's ever heard of it. Yeah, no, that's so smart. And and in fact, it makes me think, I have to buy a gift for my girlfriend here this weekend. So I'm like, maybe she wants some of this because it's really um, nice. And it's Why this, wouldn't you? I know, it's in this green squeeze tube. So I actually like that it's in a squeeze tube as well because mm-hmm. sometimes skincare comes in a pot. You don't want to be digging your fingers around in there. This one's like a little squeezy bottle. Exactly. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, here we go again. We think alike. And now we're using the same mask. That makes me so happy. We have such (laughs) similar taste. Okay, good. All right. right. Moving on to latest reads. All right. Do you want to hear about mine? Yeah, I want to hear yours first. Okay. My latest read is Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. Oh, I can't wait to hear about Mm -hmm. this. You might have 
heard about this one from us previously. I believe I had it as a shelf edition or one of our previous episodes. I know I talked about it. You will have to wait a little bit for this one. It doesn't come out until October 19th. And what initially drew me to this was the cover. The cover is scary. The cover is freaky. (laughs) And like, yeah, talk about things that actually scare us. This cover Mm -hmm. is maybe the scariest cover I've ever seen. It's got Mm -hmm. a woman on it and she has no eyes and a big old red slash for a mouth. And you can't tell if she has teeth or not. Something is in there. Well, I guess there's blackened teeth in there. (laughs) But (laughs) then she's got these claw-like hands. So you will have to read the book to figure out what's going on. This is a haunted house tale that's infused with Japanese folklore. What I loved about it is that immediately you are dropped into the action. There's no lead up. You are there in this haunted mansion with these five friends who've traveled to Japan to visit this abandoned mansion. And it's not like they're visiting it just for fun. They are there because their two friends are getting married in the haunted mansion. Oh. Why would they do this? Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they are, you know, they are risk takers and adrenaline junkies. And the bride's dream was to get married somewhere haunted. So one of their friends is super rich and he was able to rent out this place for the weekend for this group of friends. And he is going to marry them. He's like, you know, ordained. But they picked the right place if they wanted creepy because local lore says that the foundation of this mansion is resting on the bones of a bride and that its walls are packed with the remains of the girls that were sacrificed to keep her company. So spooky. And you have two things going on here. You have the creepy setting itself for sure, but you also have this group of friends who clearly have things to work through. They have their own history And quickly you find out that they don't always get along. The narrator and the bride are frenemies at best. And the friend that is set to marry the couple has slept with the bride in the past, and the groom doesn't know about it. Oh, geez. (laughs) So this was such a fun juxtaposition of truly supernatural horror and petty friend drama. Like, things are getting very spooky, and they're still arguing about whatever. And so it was really fun to to kind of be a fly on the wall for this. It is a very short book. It's 128 pages. Oh. So, yeah, you can get this done in no time. Reading it definitely put me in the fall mood. The writing style is very unusual. It's almost stylish, and it's sparse. And the pacing was different. So you'd have some scenes with a lot of rumination, a lot of thoughts, from the narrator. And then a couple of paragraphs later, you'd have like four paragraphs with all the action in it. So you're like, wait, what did I? Hold on. Let me go back. (laughs) In between all of this, you have dialogue between the characters that unexpectedly made me laugh because they're just funny together as old friend groups tend to be. It's about relationships, history, folklore, mental illness, and the price of love. This is a very original story. I don't know if it's going to be on my all-time favorite horror list, But I really enjoyed it. I'm super glad I read it. This was Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. Okay, that's interesting. And also, books like that are not usually short. I mean, horror books, Mm -hmm. as I found out, looking (laughs) for something to read for this, are long. A lot of times they are very long because, you know, you got to build and there's this backstory. Mm -hmm. For this, it was just like, no, here's the story. You're here right now, first sentence, like we're in this mansion. So let's, you know, go on for the ride. If you read the first couple of pages, you'll know if you'll like it, if it's for you or not, because it kind of stays that consistent style through the entire book. Okay, that's a good choice. All right, what's your latest read? My latest read is The Killing Kind by Jane Casey. Yes. And I needed to work Jane Casey into this podcast at some point, and it's going to be right now. She is an auto-buy, auto-read author for me. I love her books. And The Killing Kind is her new standalone. I have read her series with Maeve Kerrigan. And this is brand new. It just came out September 21st. It is about Ingrid Lewis. She is a barrister, and she is used to dealing with tricky clients. But no one has ever come close to John Webster. After Ingrid defended Webster against a stalking charge... He then turned on her, following her, ruining her relationship, even destroying her home. So then Ingrid has a coworker, and they have worked on a case together. She, her coworker, is run down on a busy London road, and she's killed. Ingrid feels that she was the intended target. And then John Webster shows back up at her door. He tells her that she's in danger And he feels that he is one of the only people able to help her. And that's 
the premise of the story. This was interesting. I had it on audio. It's a very large print book. So I had both. I alternated. I don't really recommend the audio, okay. although it was it was really good narration. The problem I have with it was because Ingrid is a lawyer, there's a lot of courtroom mm. scenes where she's a defense attorney also, which is a great setup because there's a lot of people that she defended that were not great people. Sure. And so the list of suspects who could potentially want to harm her was pretty high. So when you get the courtroom scenes and all the back and forth, like questioning, rapid fire questioning, it doesn't play well on audio. And then there is someone or some people who are after Ingrid, which is the underlying mystery. And they have an email exchange and they're like very cryptic email addresses. So each time one of them sent something to the other one, the audio narrator read the whole email address, which was annoying. Oh, that is. Do you know what I mean? That's very distracting. So that you would know who was sending the email. Right. It was. So anyway, I recommend this in print. So what I loved actually about this story, because it is a straight mystery, which I love. I love mysteries that don't always have brutal murders. My favorite part about this was actually John Webster. <laughs> so give me a charming, witty sociopath any day. Mm, yeah. That- and that was exactly what he was. Attracts. He, he, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he made the story zing and it needed it because Ingrid was a little bit difficult for me to form a connection with. Sometimes she came across as really intelligent and very capable And at other times, she was so naive and clueless that it felt jarring to the story. Ooh, okay. And it just, you know, it bothered me. And then what I did like was that Jane Casey allows you to play along with the mystery, which I appreciate. However, I've said before, I'm not a good detective. And I had this figured out. Oh, okay. And it's, so that's a bummer. I don't want to figure it out. And I usually don't. So while I say she's an auto buy, auto read, I'll buy and read anything that she writes. I fell in the middle for this okay. one. I do think if you are in the mood for a solid mystery without gory, brutal murder scenes, then I think this would be something you should give a try to. And that was The Killing Kind by Jane Casey. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I have never okay. heard of this author. This is a problem. That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, not just you. In in general. We don't see her. There's not a lot of her books on Instagram. There isn't a lot of talk about her, and I don't understand why. Because she is, so she's an Irish mm-hmm. author. But I'm pretty sure all of her books are set in London. She's very active on Twitter. She's very engaging, and she is good friends with Catherine Ryan Howard, mm. whose books we we have mentioned. There, there's kind of a group of Irish writers who are friends. I'm not sure why her books are so under the radar because they're good. Can you recommend one where we can begin? Like, what's your favorite? Okay, this is her only standalone. Oh, I see. Everything else is in the Maeve Kerrigan series. Which I'm laughing because, so, oh, no I wonder mean, I not, haven't heard of her because I don't do okay, series. Right. And it's a police procedural series, which you don't tend to read a lot of police procedurals. I think if you like mysteries and you like really, really good puzzles to solve, then pick up her Maeve Kerrigan series. I started with book three. I have no problem jumping in to series in a particular place, Mm -hmm. that was recommended to me, actually, because that's where the characters really get going was book three. So that's where I started. Okay. And it's good. It's really good. And then just keep going from there. But then after that, go in order. Got it. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Sounds good. Yes. All right. So it's time for book talk. It is time for book talks. This is going to be a long one. I have a feeling. (laughs) Let's see how we do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so for Book Talk today, we wanted to talk about books that actually scared us. And this was a bit of a hard topic because I don't think either of us are a particularly sensitive reader. So it really takes a special book to say, okay, you know what? This one genuinely scared me. Are all of your books horror? No, I have only one that is categorized as horror. Although one of my other 
others is categorized as horror on Goodreads, but I did not find it in any way to be horror. So there's that. I don't know. I don't know who determines these, but no, mine are definitely not straight horror Mm -hmm. except for one, but I didn't find it scary at all. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't find it horror filled too much. But it was gory. I'll tell you about that later. All right. So um, what about you? Yeah. Two of mine are horror. One is true crime. Okay. Because true crime can be very scary. The worst monsters are real. And this one's a really, really, really juicy one. I, I don't know if you've read it. So I'll have to tell you about it in a minute. Oh, okay. So it's not our honor. Go ahead. Yep. Can we get that out of the way Let's right do it. now? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'll be gone in the dark. We've mentioned it before and it's quite popular. So we decided, I decided not to bring it Mm -hmm. today, even though that is the scariest book I have read in the last several years. Mm -hmm. I found, I thought it was terrifying. Yeah. And this is the book by Michelle McNamara. Oh yes. Michelle McNamara. And if you are at all interested in true crime, chances are you've probably heard of this book and, or this story, but this book is so well done. And the author sadly passed away while she was writing it. So it's it's finished by one of the mm-hmm. individuals she was working with to get it off the ground. Ugh, the book was so good. And and I have a great story about it. This was an unsound. They had not caught the person when I was reading it. And as I had just finished that next week, they caught him. And, oh. I, you know, they say that the book played a huge role in catching this guy. I'm, I'm blanking on what they called him. He had a couple different names. He was the Golden State Killer. Thank you. The Golden State mm-hmm. Killer. Yeah. Highly recommend that one from both of us. It's a double love book. It is, and quite scary. So be prepared. It really is. It really is. And I do have another quick honorable mention that um, we're both huge Stephen King fans, but you will see that he is conspicuously left off of this list today because we decided to save all things Stephen King, including our favorite books by him, for an upcoming episode. You will get that later this month, but we just wanted to make mention of that because you're probably like, hey, where's Stephen King on this list? Exactly. Right. It, I mean, he's kind of the king of spooky, scary. So That's right. it would be very odd to leave him off that list. Yes. But that was by design. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about why did we pick this topic? I really like scary books. And the funny part is I don't watch scary movies at all. I am not interested in being scared in that way, but I absolutely love horror. I don't know what it is, and why I'm able to tolerate horror novels and not horror movies. Mm-hmm. But for me, I love to be immersed in the fall experience. The weather is changing. You know, We've got Halloween coming up. And I just feel like reading horror or books that scare us kind of a part of that experience. Okay. Me too. I love to be, I don't know, not, I guess scared, but I like to be, feel tense. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. be on edge yeah. in my reading. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to find books like that, though, because I've read so many mysteries and thrillers and and books like that, but I don't read a lot of straight horror. Mm-hmm. And so I thought for sure I might find something along those lines that I could really get into, but I, I don't know. I didn't. And I think I saved that a little bit for Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I am also, I grew up, I was a teenager in the 80s, so I was heavily into... Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. I loved to be scared. Halloween, which really, I still can't watch Halloween. That, I mean, I think that is one of the scariest Mm-mm. movies ever. And Nightmare on Elm Street, which now is kind of funny. But at the time, it was scary. Yeah. I, I loved all of those movies. And then that led me to Stephen King's books. I see. But mm-hmm. yes, but I do not want to watch a scary movie now. Why? It changed, huh? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, the older, I don't know. I don't want to watch a scary movie now. Give me a suspense movie where maybe you're not quite sure who's hiding around the corner. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that paranoia mm-hmm. aspect, but not necessarily a supernatural or paranormal sort of Got it. the conjuring. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Got it. Do you like jump scares in movies? Do you know what? Tell it, me. What, tell, so jump. No, tell me what that is. Jump scare is where it's quiet and it's really quiet and you're kind of just waiting. The tension's building, and all of a sudden, yeah, somebody comes out and like jumps out. Uh, and yeah, I the would. Yeah. Out. Oh my. Okay, I, I would take that. Don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like it. I I want to know if a jump scare is coming. I can't do it. This is why I can't do horror because the whole time I'm like, 
something's hap- something's going to happen. I like, have to close my ears <laughs> on the few <laughs> horror movies I've seen. And they're probably not even horror or that scary. But I am, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I don't like to be jump scared. <laughs> so, okay. That would be my preference mm-hmm. over a gory or post-apocalyptic type of Got it. horror. Now you're talking my language. I want an apocalypse. I know. I'm like, all right, tell me a little bit more. Okay. We're going to break down the different genres because you may not know this or you might if you read a lot. There is a ton of different subgenres within horror. And I thought it was really fun to figure out what they are. I thought it was really interesting to read too. So we'll share those. So I guess where I landed, and you'll probably see that in my picks today, was being psychologically Mm -hmm. scared. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of somebody messing with my mind and, or, or like, or hiding in a closet Mm -hmm. or under a bed. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that's perfect for, and you'll understand one of my picks fits in perfectly for that. That is where I land in the psychological camp. Where where do you think you landed? Yeah. So I was looking through this list as well of horror subgenre and also psychological horror was up my alley for sure. And this is where you get the suspicion, the distrust, your self-doubt. You might have an unreliable narrator and I kind of like that because I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Is there a reasonable explanation? Is there mental illness? What's what's happening? One of my picks is definitely in that psychological horror space. I also quite like, I like supernatural. So I don't mind if we have a vampire, if you've got a monster that's really a monster or are they a regular person? I I like a lot of these. So I kind of was looking through. I'm like, man, I like this too. I like a post-apocalyptic horror novel. Civilization is gone and it's replaced by something dark and dangerous. We found an article while we were doing research for this that we will link to that breaks down all of these horror subgenres and it gives us examples of what are in each category. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think you just named quite a few. Mm-hmm. There was another one, serial killer slasher type. Yes. Psychos, slashers, and serial yes, psychos. killers. I thought that was going to be your bucket. Well, I debated. If you put psychological scariness in front of me and then a serial killer, I'm probably going to pick the psychological scariness. Mm-hmm. Although I'm always going to look at a serial killer book. It's just, those are hit and miss for me. Even though I do, I do like a good, it has I do to like be a done good well. psycho. It, it has to be done well. <laughs> Some of the other subgenres they talk about are comedy horror, where you get a little bit of humor punctuated with the scariness, dark fantasy, mm-hmm. gothic, which I also really like. Mm-hmm. That was interesting because they list romance and horror. Hmm. I so that I'm kind of I would good. dig that. I want to know a little bit I do, more. I think I would too. Yeah. You have paranormal, so ghosts and things that mm-hmm. are scientifically unexplainable and then sci-fi horror, which combines science fiction elements like space travel with common horror elements. Right? I mean, some of them overlap for sure. Oh yeah. And I think some books will fit more than one bucket. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is part of the fun depending on the story. Let me ask you this, and this may seem like a weird question. Do you find that reading scary books and horror and everything that we're talking about, does it make you feel better prepared as you <laughs> as you live your life because these books or mo- I mean we're going to focus on books mm-hmm. but movies can do it too. They give you some ingenious ways mm-hmm. of getting out of situations that you hope you never find yourself in. Absolutely. Right? 100%. One of mine specifically I'm thinking about they're in the wilderness basically and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, uh-uh." So, first of all, I don't go in the wilderness, so I don't <laughs> I already know that there's some messed up stuff in the in the woods, so I try not to other than our, you know, our walk on the bike path, but yeah, I do like to think like, I think that's part of the fun though, right? It's it's putting yourself into that situation mm-hmm. in a safe way and allowing us to be scared vicariously. And I think you're right. You can come up with some survival ways like, okay, no, you, and, and that's the trope, right? Don't, mm-hmm. don't say, I'll see you later. Cause you know that if you say that to your group of friends and walk away, you're going to be gone. <laughs> don't leave the pack. And they always do that, right? They're always like, let's break up and try and get out of this. And then, okay, of course, that's how the killer gets you is you, if you guys break up. Exactly. And it was interesting to read about in one of the articles, the psychology of fear and how we want to be, or we want that feeling of being scared because we don't want that in real life. Mm -hmm. There's something about feeling that 
and then the satisfaction of getting through it yes. through our books and, and movies. Mm-hmm. We like the tension and a yes. good author will really bring you into the story and get mm-hmm. you to feel these feelings that you would feel if you were in this situation. And you still kind of get that physical and emotional release, but in a safe and contained environment. Exactly. Exactly. I can't wait to share my books. All right. Do you want to with, uh, should, should we, should just we get jump started? In? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Do you want to start? Yes, I'll go first. My first book is one that I think you have the highest likelihood of enjoying. So I would love okay. for you to read this one if you have not already. It's called A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Do you know it? Yes, I do know it. I have not read it. And I've been, this is the one I suspected, or maybe you mentioned bringing, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't wait for you to tell me about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even go and read anything Good. else about it. So that's kind of the way to do it with this one. And here's what it's about. You have the Barrett family. There's mom, dad, and two sisters. And the story revolves around trying to figure out what's going on with 14-year-old Marjorie. She has something going on. It's some sort of illness. Her symptoms don't make it clear as to what's actually happening. And you begin to wonder, and the family's wondering, is this mental illness or is there something supernatural going on? One thing I found in myself about books that actually scare me is that I really like it when the story is set in a believable reality with a Mm -hmm. few elements of disturbing because it allows me to put myself in that situation. What would I do if my sister was Mm -hmm. going through these different things? The storytelling was very unique, and he used a couple of different elements in it. You have adult Mary. She is the younger sister, and she is being interviewed to recount what happened to her sister when they were kids. Then you have Mary's flashback, which gets you into the story in real time. Then there's this third perspective of a blogger who is looking at the story from the outside. And at first you're like, huh, I wonder what's going on, but it all ties together really well. Honestly, I don't want to say much more than this. I know that's pretty (laughs) sparse, but that is by design. Going in relatively blind is a part of the fun. I thought Mm -hmm. all you need to know is the author does a great job at creating tension and building suspense. You have a feeling that something bad is going on and something is coming, but he really takes his time getting there, not in a way that felt plodding or like it dragged on, but he definitely is setting the scene and it, you know, takes some chapters to get there. Let's just say that I read this four years ago and there is one scene that if I think about it, I still get the creeps. To this day, just now got goosebumps thinking about it. (sighs) I loved it. It's honestly one of my all-time favorite horror books. And this is A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, you've you've tempted me. You would like this one, I think. And I read this in print. I had not tried the audio. So if you're able to do an audio of a scary book, you might give that a whirl. Oh, I think I can. Okay. I'm adding that to my TBR. Okay. And I'm switching up my books. Because what? <laughs> that I was, was going to oh, start Oh, the order. With. Got it. I'm switching up the order real quick. So I'm going to go with the one I was going to say for last because I have such strong feelings about it. I'm going to switch it to now because it is The Cabin at the End of the World oh, by Paul Trenley. I am so proud of you. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have so many thoughts, Tina. Oh, okay, my gosh. I won't interrupt. Go, go, go. <laughs> this is the one I messaged you about that I said, I am so creeped out in the beginning of this book. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited because I was having such a hard time finding another book that pulled me in Mm -hmm. and was in the horror category. I was so creeped out by the beginning of this. And I am using the term was. So pay attention Uh uh to that. Here's the premise. You Have you read this one? I have not read this one. Okay. I I peaked after I read it. Um, at your Goodreads and I didn't see it. So premise is you have seven-year-old Wen and her parents, Eric and Andrew, and they're vacationing at a remote cabin on a quiet New Hampshire lake. Their closest neighbors are more than two miles in either direction along a dirt road. Perfect setting. Mm-hmm. Perfect setting. One afternoon, as Wen plays in the front yard, a stranger unexpectedly appears in the driveway. Leonard is young, friendly, and he wins her over almost instantly. He and Wen talk and play until Leonard abruptly apologizes and tells Wen, none of what's going to happen is your fault. Cut to three more strangers arriving in the driveway, carrying unidentifiable, menacing objects. As Wen sprints inside to warn her parents, Leonard calls out, 
Your dads won't want to let us in when, but they have to. We need your help to save the world. This book has been on my October TBR Mm -hmm. for the past two falls. I remember that we made a pact together to read yours. That's right. Yours was this book. That's right. Yes. That we just made that pact Uh on air. Everyone will be happy to know. Yes, I have Mm -hmm. finally read it. I knew it was popular. I knew it was horror, but I didn't remember anything about this. And I didn't look up anything else about this before I started it. Now, the beginning pulled me right in immediately. I love that this was a normal family on vacation. You get to know the dads. They're, they have the banter, the banter that comes with being parents and being together. And slowly, because Wen is outside by herself and, and then Leonard shows up, you get this very slow building sense of unease. It was so good. I got to know them both. I immediately, within the first few pages of the setup and all that, I liked Andrew and Eric. I felt worried Mm -hmm. and tense. Mm -hmm. And that's probably when I messaged you. It was just a normal day. They were excited about their vacation. Everything was going just perfectly. But we also got to know their personalities. That's key because of what happens later. Yes, yes. Things start to happen very slowly, and the questions started to build as to why these strangers showed up. What did they want? And slowly but surely, the tension and suspense I initially felt by the halfway point took a very steep nosedive (laughs) (laughs) into eye-rolling and me saying to myself, this is so ridiculous. I'm so bummed to say that, but from there... It went downhill for me, and honestly, it became a hate read. Oh, no. I know. I have never went from, oh my gosh, I love this book. This is exactly what I was looking for, to I cannot stand this book. I I can't remember the last time I had that sort of reading experience. (laughs) So that's really, it's what happened, the storyline, the characters went off the deep end, the whole premise for why these people were there was nuttier than, I I just couldn't do it. I did alternate with the audio and I did not like the narration. So I ended up staying mainly with print, but this turned out to be my issue with horror, with some horror. It it just went off the very, very deep end and made no Mm. sense. Mm -hmm. And there, there was one particular instance of an event that happened. I metaphorically threw my Kindle across the room. Ooh. You know, if it, you know what I mean? I was like, come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. And then I went back to Goodreads mm-hmm. and the average rating is 3.37. Mm-hmm. So then pretty I- low. It's pretty low for Goodreads. It's pretty. And I, I looked through some of the reviews and I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one, no. but I'm glad I read it. It is now off my TBR. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not done with this author Good. by any means. I think the writing- you know, he did his own thing with this story, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm okay with that. And I'm going to try a head full of ghosts. So this one was the cabin at the end of the world by Paul Tremblay. I'm so glad you read it. I'm so glad you brought mm-hmm. this. Now, last episode when you said that this has been on your list for a really mm-hmm. long time, I had heard from other readers that they did not like the second half of the book, and I wasn't going to say that. And I also, you know, oh, okay, it, I'm you, glad you didn't it, tell me that. Yeah, it it might not be true for every reader. But I was mm-hmm. like, huh. In my head, I was thinking, no, the head full, a head full of ghosts is the superior tremblay. So I'm glad we actually <laughs> were able to have this discussion over those two books. I am still curious too, though, because I'm kind of a masochist. I'm like, wait, maybe I would like it. I don't know. Maybe I would you might Because I don't mind. You're absolutely correct in that horror can go way sideways. And, and mm-hmm. I can sit with that. I can live with that. I can be, okay, just keep, you know, get weird. I don't mind weird mm-hmm. at all. But I can see why if you don't like weird, certain horror books wouldn't do it for you. Right. And I would really love to hear what you thought about this one. I really would. Well, I mean, now that I went back and looked, some of my trusted sources are on that list, Goodreads list of reviews of people who, and they gave it five stars. Mm. So you never know. You don't know. Mm. You know, it just wasn't for me, but that's okay. 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 What's next? Next for me, now I'm thinking, I'm like, huh, would Renee like this? I don't know. I think if you read (laughs) this, I would know a lot more about you as a reader. And let me tell you about it. So this book is The Troop by Nick Cutter. Mm. I'm buzzing. 
oh my God, (laughs) is this my kind of book? Fair warning, this is horror. This is scary. And it also is about a highly contagious illness. So if that's not something you want to read about, don't read this book. Mm -hmm. But I completely loved it. What you have is a Boy Scout troop who goes camping to remote Prince Edward Island. They are experienced campers, and they take this trip every year with their troop leader. So the leader is pretty confident that the boys will have a good time. And they're teenagers. They're not young boys. They're, you know, maybe 17, 18 years old. Everything's going fine until later that night, a sick and hungry man shows up to their campsite, and he's begging for their help. And you're kind of like, we're in the wilderness. How did you find us? And they're wondering how he got there. But the troop leader is also a physician. Do no harm is ingrained within him, so he decides to help them. In doing so, he opens a Pandora's box full of horrors. And I don't want to say too much more than that about the plot, because (laughs) if you're hooked so far, go for it. Mm -hmm. That's all you need to know. I loved the pacing of this story. I loved the origin story of what happened to the sick man. I was in it. This book is very propulsive. You're not waiting around for things to happen, wondering, okay, get to the point. You're pretty much right away like, okay, things build, and then you're in the action for the entire time. I really loved Cutter's writing, and he's able to do this thing that Stephen King does a lot, where he creates a vivid cast of characters that have Mm -hmm. full lives, and you really find yourself caring about them and rooting for them, and you don't want bad things to happen, but it's also horror. So you're like, wait, I have a feeling this won't end the way that I want it to. This book is haunting and memorable, but again, I do want to mention it's got a lot of body horror, meaning things that are really gross. So just know that going (laughs) in, read this only if you think you can tolerate something that's pretty gory. Honestly, this is one of the more unsettling books I've ever read, and I loved it. If you read this, please let me know. I want to hear what you think about it. And if you're a creep like me, (laughs) this is (laughs) The Troop by Nick Cutter. Okay. Yeah, you sold me. I... I want to know how just helping someone and what did you say? The Pandora's box. A Pandora's box. Yeah, I want to know how that could happen. Oh, yeah. And you are exactly right about what Stephen King can do and what one of the other authors I'm bringing today can do when by setting up a group of characters Mm -hmm. that you not even, well, usually you like them, but you are worried about them. Yes. And then you know something's going to happen. That is the best. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. I'm going to give, I think I'm going to give that one a try. I would love to hear what you think. Okay. All right. Well, my next one is called The Ice Twins by S.K. Tremaine. Have you heard of this one? Nope. Brand new. All right. It's backlist. This was very atmospheric. This was actually a Goodreads Choice nominee for horror in 2015. I didn't find this to be horror, though, at all. This, to me, felt like part mystery, part psychological thriller, heavy on the psychological scary suspense. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's my initial take. So a year after one of their identical twin daughters, Lydia, dies in an accident, Angus and Sarah Moorcraft move to the tiny Scottish island Angus inherited from his grandmother, hoping to put together the pieces of their shattered lives. But when their surviving daughter, Kirsty claims they have mistaken her identity, that she, in fact, is Lydia, (laughs) their world comes crashing down once again. As winter encroaches, Sarah is feeling isolated, and Kirsty, or is it Lydia, is growing more disturbed. What really happened on that fateful day one of her daughters died? Oh, no. Isn't that a good Uh setup? That's really good. Oh, my gosh. Because how are you going to argue with somebody like, no, you're actually Lydia? No, I'm Kirsty. Like, how are you going to argue? And I'll tell you what. The author did such a good job dotting the I's and crossing the T's because we, of course, as readers are going to question, like, you had to have known. Like, you know what I mean? But no, all the answers as to why these parents couldn't figure out necessarily or question themselves as to the possibility that they got it wrong and as to which daughter, it was all answered. So this story was twisty with a capital T. Nice. The setting of the lighthouse adds to the isolation of the family, which along with the time of year, it's set in winter. At this time of year in this location, it got dark at like 
3 p.m. Yeah. So it was dark. It was creepy. It was atmospheric. The story alternates between the mother and the father's perspectives, but not equally as we get much longer chapters from Sarah, the mom. And I loved that there was a feeling of weirdness to all of these people. I kept thinking, are they still grieving because it's been over a year or are they slowly unraveling mentally? And who's actually telling the truth? Because everyone in the story has different versions of the same events, which I loved. It was very unsettling. And the little girl, I couldn't, I, I kept thinking, is she a victim of her parents unraveling or was she actually evil herself? She mm. was creepy. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, I flew through this. I had the audio and the print, and I ended up sticking with the audio because the narrator was able to do the little girl's voice in this creepy, like alternate voice narration. It was so good. And then there was the underlying mystery driving this whole thing as to which girl was really killed and was it an accident? Mm -hmm. So this book had everything going for it. it. It would be the perfect fall spooky read. And that was The Ice Twins by S.K. Tremaine. Love it. This is new to me. I love the sound of it. And when I think about books that genuinely scare me, a lot of the time there is a child that goes missing. It's creepy. Or, or, or <laughs> no. Creep, creepy. Well, yeah, if they're creepy, that, but, or if they like go missing, like it's a, one of those worst fear come to life type things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, it was really fun. Good. Okay. Sounds good. Well, next I'm going to change tack a little bit. I have The Good Nurse, a true story of medicine, madness, and murder by Charles Graber. This is my nonfiction pick, and it's investigative journalism. And it's based on hundreds of pages of previously unseen police records, interviews, wiretap recordings, and videotapes. And you also have an exclusive jailhouse conversation with The Good Nurse, Charlie Cullen himself. So the author took all of these pieces and brought it together to tell this story. Here's what happened. Charlie Cullen was an accomplished nurse with advanced credentials. He was always working and had years of experience, despite being the subject of dozens of complaints and disciplinary citations. He had been investigated by the police four times. He had to take lie detector tests and even spent some time in jail. But despite all of this, he kept finding work. He would jump from job to job and hospital to hospital and managed to hold on to his nursing license and convince his new employers that his past was a misunderstanding. That is until December 2003, when he was dubbed the angel of death by the media. Because, turns out, Charlie was killing patients. And what was so interesting about this is that he wasn't acting as a mercy killer. He wasn't, you know, people that were super sick and dying and, you know, helping them along the way. Not that that would be good, but it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. He would kill whoever. He would kill people that would have been fine after a couple of days in the hospital. He was celebrated in the field, and he had family and friends, too. So it was one of those things where they're like, oh, I would never have guessed it was Charlie. Even all of this, he was implicated in the deaths of as many as 300 patients. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. And therefore, he is potentially one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. He truly had a compulsion to kill. Like, it was just something that he wanted to do. And the book looks at his backstory, and you really get to see this person as a true psychopath and what maybe contributed to all of that. This book scared me. It was very creepy. The thought of it is what got me. You put mm -hmm. so much trust into medical professionals and you trust that they have your best interests in mind. And thank God they mostly do <laughs> the vast majority of the time. But the thought that someone could get away with this for so long made my blood run cold. There's also specific scenes in the book that are pretty vivid. Charlie spent some time working with patients in the burn unit. And I cannot, I remember this so vividly. I read it maybe five years ago. I was taking a hot bath, reading about these poor victims in the burn unit. And I was like, I have to get out of the water. Like, it's just oh. a visceral reaction. Oh. I thought this book was very well done, though. Very, very interesting. Highly recommend, especially if you're into true crime. This is The Good Nurse, a story of medicine, madness, and murder by Charles Graber. Yeah, I'm adding that to my TBR right now. The, I feel like I've heard about him in the news or something, but I really 
didn't know the details that you just shared at all. And I don't know that he actually got convicted of murdering 300 people. It was more of like they probably had evidence, I think, for Mm -hmm. like 16 or 20. But based on the timing, based on the suspicion surrounding some of the deaths, like they're working backward to figure out, wow, this is probably Charlie, too. Okay, And you don't have to tell me, but it made like the question that popped into my head immediately that I want to know the answer to is, did he decipher between anyone? Oh, I mean, or was it just I guess you could tell me a little bit, but was it just opportunity? Mm-hmm. I mean, he did he want to kill everybody or did I, was it just the certain time of day or <laughs> like what? Happened? How did he I think, how did he choose? I think he evolved. I think in the beginning it was more like you said, opportunity, kind of trying things, this and that. And the way you'll um, you'll find out, you know, okay. if you read it, how he does it. It's not like he's like putting a pillow over their head. He's <laughs> doing it in ways obviously that are hidden and he's not okay. It's hard to really figure out what was going on for a while. But really the reason why he was able to get away with it for so long is because he kept changing jobs. And so he would have he wouldn't be l- around long enough to establish a pattern, but mm-hmm. that's actually how he got caught is one of his fellow nurses essentially helped bring him down. Okay, got it. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Good. I'm glad you brought a true crime. Yeah, and he is actually still alive in case you're wondering. Oh. I just Googled it. He has 29 confirmed victims and several hundred more are suspected. Wow. Yikes. Probably not getting out of prison, I'm sure. He is not eligible for parole until 2403. So he'll be in there a while. Sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. I have saved my best for last. Okay. Tell me about it. I'm so excited about this book. Okay. This is Intensity by Dean Koontz. Okay. All right. This is who I was mentioning when you said what Stephen King does so well with setting up characters you care about. Dean Koontz also does really well. And I know I've talked about him on the podcast before, but this book, I don't know how I missed it, but I read it just for this episode. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Yes. I, I have no idea why or how I missed this when it came out, but I did. And now, oh, okay. Let me tell you. Past Midnight. China Shepherd, age 26, gazes out a moonlit window and unable to sleep on her first night in the Napa Valley home of her best friend's family. Instinct proves reliable. A murderous sociopath, Edgler Vess, has entered the house intent on killing everyone inside. A self-proclaimed homicidal adventurer, Vess lives only to satisfy all appetites as they arise to immerse himself in sensation, to live without fear, remorse, or limits, to live with intensity. And China is trapped in his deadly orbit. China is a survivor toughened by a lifelong struggle for safety and self-respect. Now she will be tested as never before. As first, her sole aim is to get out alive until, by chance, she learns the identity of Vess's next intended victim, a faraway innocent only she can save. That's a pretty detailed setup. <laughs> Here's what drew me in and got me. So the author sets this up initially in the opening scene. And like you said, with one of your picks, there is no slow burn with these types of books. Mm-hmm. There is no pages and pages and pages of setup. We get a few pages to get to know China and her best friend, Laura, and they're driving in the car and they're heading to Laura's parents' house. And in that car ride, which is only a a very short amount of pages, we get to know very important backstory for both China and Laura. Then they arrive at the house. He pulls you right in with the family and Laura and her parents, and I liked all of them. And then I knew this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. So... They have dinner. Then, as soon as they go to bed, China can't sleep. Once night rolls around, the story takes a dramatic, pulse-pounding turn when China hears a noise, a very quiet, but because of what we know about China and her backstory, it makes perfect sense that she would sense and hear this potential noise. Her instincts tell her to go into full survival mode. And she's right, because there's a killer in the house, and soon he enters her bedroom. Yikes. When I tell you, my heart was racing. I was holding my breath. Mm -hmm. And yes, I did start this on a walk by myself in the woods. (laughs) 
Lord help me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what, yeah, I mean, I I had the audio and then I also had the print, but the audio was fantastic. So what happens next and the rest of the story had me literally holding my breath. I physically felt tense, nervous, and edgy. Exactly what I want to feel when I'm reading a scary thriller. I love that the story alternated between China and the killer's perspective. Mm. And it's in real time. So, for example, she would be hiding and thinking that she was being stealth and then cut to him knowing that she's hiding. Do you know what I mean? Just the way he alternated those chapters, it it was brilliant. They're short chapters, fast-paced, very layered characters who felt real. And something else that just, oh, it kept me turning the pages. I loved China. I connected with her. And as with all good horror stories, there were so many times I was thinking, do not open that door. Mm -hmm. Like, do not go that way. Do not do that. And then, of course, things happen. And then you want her to run and you want her to hide. And she just doesn't. So it, it was perfection. I loved every second. It felt horror. This one felt more horror to me mm-hmm. than anything else I've read in years. Got it. This felt like old Stephen King to me. And I don't even think it's categorized as horror. Something to note for sensitive readers. The murder scenes are very graphic and brutal. Good to know. Very, mm-hmm. very, very. So that was Intensity by Dean Koontz. Nice. I'm so glad you found a book oh. that you love that's oh, I, spooky. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, if you like thrillers and really tension-filled, high stakes, and very, very bad serial killers, Mm -hmm. then this is for you. So this was a good serial killer book. This was a great serial killer book. Although it's just between—he is a serial killer, but this is really a story between him and her. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that filled—but you get so much of— of the story about how he is what he is. And she calls him the eater of spiders. What? So if that doesn't creep you out, yeah. you need to read it to find out why she calls him that. Yuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was fun. We are ready for some shelf edition. We are ready for shelf edition. And keeping with the theme of today, this one is horror and I think a little bit of a police procedural. It is called Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo. Children of Chicago is a retelling of the Pied Piper fairy tale with elements of horror. So it's set in present-day Chicago, and it centers on Detective Lauren Medina. She sees a calling card at a murder scene in Chicago's Humboldt Park neighborhood and knows the Pied Piper has returned. You see, she has personal ties to this Pied Piper. Her sister's body was found floating in a lagoon years before. When another teenager is brutally murdered at the same location, she is convinced that he is back and looking for payment that he's owed from her. Lauren is torn between protecting the city she has sworn to keep safe and keeping a promise she made long ago with her sister's murderer. She may have to ruin her life by exposing her secrets and lies to stop the Pied Piper before he collects, but you will have to read and see. This one sounded so good to me. I love books that are able to layer in all sorts of different genres. You have Pied Piper, but it sounds like it's set very much in today's reality. But still, you have that kind of serial killer S. They have a calling card. He's coming to collect. This sounds really good. I loved the cover as well. And of course, I love that it's set in Chicago. And this one's out now, in case I didn't mention that. Yes. I actually have a copy of that. I just checked. You do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it crossed my path somewhere, but nice. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds really good. Okay. Mine is a backlist, and I would love to know if anyone has read this one. It is Let the Right One In, which I also went with the spooky theme on this. And I think this is listed under horror. It's by John Lindquist. Mm -hmm. It is autumn 1981 when the inconceivable comes to Blackbird, a suburb in Sweden. The body of a teenage boy is found, emptied of blood, the murder rumored to be part of a ritual killing. 12-year-old Oscar is personally hoping that revenge has come at long last, revenge for the bullying he endures at school, day after day. 
but the murder is not the most important thing on his mind. A new girl has moved in next door, a girl who has never seen a Rubik's Cube before, but who can solve it at once. There is something wrong with her, though, something odd, and she only comes out at night. Mm. I think I know what's wrong with her. (laughs) (laughs) She's creepy. Yes. That was Let the Right One In by John Linquist. Yes, I've heard of this one before. I don't want to say why, though. I think it popped up under horror. Mm-hmm. On Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, horror. don't tell me why. I won't. But it's over 100,000 ratings. Oh, my goodness. And a 4.02 average rating. So clearly I'm it's like well liked. Feeling good about it. All right. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast up to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember... Everything's better with books. Or maybe we should be looking under the bed. What's there? Actually, I was going to say, maybe we should be checking every check your closets check your window locks make sure everything is secure hide your wife hide your kids <laughs> but i can't follow don't walk in the woods i, I, I know i know you love to day. walk in the woods but i'm yeah if it's paved i will i'm not walking on no unpaved trail wait but they're that's actually better for your knees <laughs> <laughs>